Well, you might remember that last week things didn't go exactly as we'd planned. Things don't go always exactly as we planned, and so we called a bit of an audible. I did do a sermon on baptism, but it was relatively short in comparison to uh, what we're going to get this week. That doesn't mean it's going to be really lengthy this week. It just means it's going to be a sermon different from last week. But things don't always go as as we uh, sometimes plan them. And so I had this experience this week. I texted my wife. I texted her this. I said, love you and miss you. She wrote back, wow, so you kind of like me. I wrote, more than kind of. But then, strangely, and I didn't see this text for a few minutes, and so it's several minutes have gone by since I texted this, and the next text was, what? And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. The next text was, again, what are you talking about? I thought, well, that's kind of weird. Like, what, you know, what's going on? Those are strange responses to our conversation. But on your phone, there's a thing called autocorrect, and here's what my autocorrect had done to me. I thought I said more than kind of, but here's what came up. Sometimes things don't go exactly as you'd planned. I thought I was making this beautiful expression of devotion and love to my wife. She thought I was talking about another woman. (laughs) So sometimes things don't go as we planned, and last week was one of those. Uh, But we're going to move on this week, and we'll see how things go this week. The Minor Prophets spoke about two things, it seems to me. We spent a bunch of weeks in the Minor Prophets, and it was, uh, I, I really loved it. I, I enjoyed very much speaking through the Minor Prophets. I don't remember that I'd ever done the Minor Prophets in a sermon series before, but I really enjoyed it, and, and it was a great blessing. There were a couple of things that came up in the midst of that. One was what God has done and is doing for his people. That seemed to me certainly one of the centerpieces of what we talked about when it came to the minor prophets and, uh, and what they were trying to express. The second thing I would say is how we are to respond to God. And so on the one hand, we've got what God has done and is doing for his people, and then there's our response specifically to what it is that God has done. And I would say that those are two pillars on which the minor prophets and their whole message was about. And I love focusing on those questions or those issues for a couple of reasons. One is, here we go. We glorify him when we draw attention to what he has done. Like when we say, this is what the minor prophets were saying about what God has done, we bring glory to God. We draw attention to him and his glory. And I think that's a powerful, powerful piece in the minor prophets. The second part of all that is that we end up glorifying him when we respond to him. So God has done something. The minor prophets point that out. We think about what it is that God has done, and we end up glorifying him in the process because of what it is that he's done. And it's just, that's our response to all the things that God has done. And I don't know if you think about it as simply as that, but I'd like to think that for most of us, Christianity is fairly simple. God has done something wonderful in Jesus Christ, and he calls us somehow to respond to what it is that Jesus has done. And so I might surprise you, I guess, but there's a connection between talking about baptism this morning and even what we've done in the Minor Prophets. 
Because when you look at what the Bible has to say about baptism, it's not that much different than these kind of two core principles about baptism that are in the minor, or uh, that's in the New Testament talking about what Jesus does. Baptism brings glory to God, and then baptism, baptism glorifies him because, just like the minor prophets, it draws attention to what God has done for his people, and then it's part of our response to what it is that he's done. So that's what we're really talking about this morning. And sometimes we get caught up in a different perspective. We think, well, what are the things that that we're instructed to do? What are the commands that we're supposed to do in order to somehow fulfill God's vision for us? And that's definitely part of it. But really, what baptism is, is nothing more than a response. And in fact... It's a response, as we said, to something God has done, and so baptism is actually way more about God than about us. We are baptized in order, I would say, to glorify God. And so sometimes people will ask the question, should I be baptized or do I need to be baptized? And it seems to me that's exactly the wrong question and an entirely wrong way of approaching the question about baptism. The question should not be, should I be baptized? The question should be something like this. How can I best glorify God in my life? Because really, that's what baptism is about. Baptism is not about me responding to God in such a way so that I can be saved or so that I can do the right thing. Again, that's part of it. We want to be in obedience to Christ, and if he's asking us to be baptized, then we certainly want to do that. But really what I want to do in my life, and certainly through the act of baptism, is to draw attention to what it is that God has done for people. And in fact, anybody who sees someone else be baptized, and it's, it's interesting, when, when we do have a baptism, especially when it's someone from outside the church, they come in from outside, they're baptized, it's very common for them to invite friends and family to come and be part of those baptisms. Well, what's happening when they come and are present for those baptisms? They are experiencing a proclamation, It's kind of like when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We know that when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we are proclaiming his death until he comes. Well, when someone is baptized, there is a proclamation being made about what God has done. This is being done because of what God has done in Jesus. And so baptism is constantly pointing us not to ourselves and what we're trying to do in terms of getting to heaven. Baptism is actually constantly pointing to the gospel. It points to God. Baptism points to Jesus. Baptism points to the Spirit who takes up residence in us at our baptism. Baptism brings glory to God, and that's why, ultimately, we need to do it. Not just as the fulfillment of some command. So the question is not, should I be baptized? The question is, how can I best glorify God in my life? How should my life constantly be reflecting what God has done and then how does it point others, in fact, to Jesus? How is my response nothing more than a proclamation of what it is that God has done in Jesus? And so being baptized, ultimately, I would say, instead of bringing salvation to us, although, yes, it does that, it brings glory to God. 
And if we want to do more than anything else, bring glory to God, if that's what we're really about, if nothing else, we want to show our love to God in our response, then that's the kind of response we're going to make. In fact, I would say that there's just no way that anybody who seriously asks the question, if somebody says, how is it in my life that I can absolutely best glorify God? How can I best show my love to God? Because that's what we want to do. I just don't see how a person can, in response to that, say, but I don't want to be baptized. Because the moment you say, I don't want to be baptized, you are, in fact, taking somehow a proclamation and some glory away from who God is. Where baptism, when it does happen, is doing just exactly that. It is glorifying God. Well, that all takes us to what I think is the next big issue. How is it that we are to respond to God in order to glorify him? And so again, we are baptized because it's part of the God-ordained response we are to make to what God has done in Jesus. I want you to notice this this takes all of the emphasis off of my choice and my decision and what I'm doing in terms of, uh, you know, what God is requiring of me. What this does is it, it asks the question again, what has God done and how do I simply respond to what God has done first? Because his act is always prior. And so, it's, this is just a start in one sense. It's just an initiation. But it is, in fact, the kind of response that everyone who was wanting to glorify God made in the New Testament in response to what it is that Jesus has done. So becoming baptized or being baptized is simply part of the God-ordained response that we are to make to what God has done in Jesus. And it is, in fact, just a kind of initiatory step and response to what it is that God has done. Well, what I want to do now for the rest of this time is to go through the W5 questions, okay? You know what the W5 questions are? Like you, you watch W5, maybe you've seen that program. What are they? Who, what, where, when, why? We throw in how, those kind of questions, and that's what I want to do right now with the act of baptism. So what, how, why, who, when? We're going to do, in that sense, some investigation. And there are lots of places in the Bible that we could go to to talk about this. Um, If you are an unbaptized person after today, and actually I I hope that anybody who is of the age of believing in Jesus Christ, I hope that nobody walks out of here unbaptized today. We actually have the water ready. I filled it earlier. Uh, It would take a few minutes to maybe bring it right up deep enough, but basically it's ready. And so I, I would love it if someone today who's here would say, you know what, in response to Jesus and what it is that he's done, I want to be baptized. Not just I have to be baptized because there's a command for me to fulfill that, but instead I want to be baptized, in fact, to glorify God. And so we're going to look at one passage today that I think makes this abundantly clear, but I have a whole sheet of passages on baptism that I could give to you. You can take home. If today's not the day, next week is Easter Sunday. That would be beautiful if you were to come next week and choose to be baptized next week. But I have a a sheet that that details all the passages that you need to read in order to take you into the the waters of baptism. So today we're just going to look at one, basically, and it's the one that we basically all know. I want to go to Acts 2.38. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts 2.38. We'll start really with Acts 2.36. 
And we're going to ask first the question about what and how. So Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to start reading with verse 36. I'll read down through verse 41. And the context, of course, is that Peter has been preaching on the day of Pentecost about what it is that Jesus has done for humankind. And he sums it up in verse 36 by saying, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Which, of course, means that he is he's the master, the Lord, he's God in that sense, and then he's also the Messiah, the fulfillment of all of Israel's hopes. And when the people, who are Jewish, of course, heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Which is exactly the question of response. God has done something. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord and Christ. What's going to be our response then to this? And they asked that question. What shall we do? How do we respond when we've done this? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other uh, words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So there's about 3,000 people or so that are baptized on that day specifically in response to what it is that Peter has to say about who Jesus is. So what is baptism? Well, baptism is the act of being immersed in water in response to belief And repentance. And you might ask the question, why do I say this? Why do I say the act of being immersed? And it's interesting, baptism is a word, and there's some words like this in the New Testament that never really gets translated. Like we have words in Greek, the New Testament is written in Greek, all this Greek language, and we take all all those words, we translate them into English so that we can read now in English and don't have to worry about trying to read Greek. But baptism is one of those words that doesn't actually get translated. And what I mean is, is that if you were to look in the Greek language, you would find baptizo, or some version of that. And so it doesn't get translated, it gets transliterated. They just brought the word in, without really giving you a definition of what baptism is. But if you look at ancient Greek, biblical Greek, Anywhere along in early Greek and ask the question, what does baptism mean? How would it be translated if it was translated? It's going to be translated like something like immerse or dunked or um, like I want to say deluged. Like like there's there's a sense in which a person was completely and utterly covered is is the idea here. And a person goes down, as we know from uh, Romans chapter 6, you go down into the water and you come back out of the water like Jesus. And the point was that a person does this in response to Christ, a, a, a watery kind of grave being buried with Christ in baptism. Now if we want to uh, get the churchy language out of this, okay, and I want you to look right now at Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Because it says repent and be baptized, but both those words, repent and baptized, are pretty churchy words. So if we wanted to get those words out of there, we would say something like this. Change your life and be immersed. Because that's what repentance meant, was to change your life. You make a decision to be different than you are, and you are immersed into Jesus Christ. Um, 
And by the way, uh, you know who does the baptizing when this happens, I hope. It's not the preacher. It's not an elder. It's not your friend or another Christian or something that does the baptism when this happens. The person doing the baptism is God. And we won't look there right now, but if you were to look in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says we are all immersed by one spirit into one body. And so it's actually God who is doing the baptizing when you go through the act of being baptized, which is really cool. Like people say to me all the time, oh, you know, I remember when you baptized me, or I say, I remember when Tom Bonner in 1973 baptized me. But really, it was the Holy Spirit, it was Jesus, it was God who was baptizing me at the point of my baptism. So that's the what and that's the how from what I can tell. Pretty simplistically, I think, but coming right out of Acts 2.38. Why? Well, for at least three reasons. Forgiveness of your sins and salvation. And it specifically says that. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, for the notion of salvation. And so we do respond to God. I do think we're trying to give him glory, but it's wonderful because baptism also is the point at which a person's sins are forgiven, at least in response to, uh, in, what, in terms of what it says in Acts 2.38. The second thing is, and this text also is very clear about this, the reception of the Holy Spirit. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is for you and your children and all who are far off. So we talked last week in here specifically about John 3 and John 3, 5, about how we have maybe overemphasized the notion of the water here and not emphasized enough the notion of the spirit baptism that takes place in John 3. And I would say that that's exactly right and very consistent with Acts chapter 2, that really the spirit coming into our lives is as big as anything. And it's certainly as big as the forgiveness of our sins. And we always think we're being baptized for the forgiveness of sins, but it also has to do with the reception of the Holy Spirit. And then at least one other third thing happens here, and that is that we are added to the body. So that both in verse um, 41, and then if you were to actually look down at verse 47, you'd find the same kind of thing. That with the act of believing and being baptized that a person is added to the body of Christ. So there are other reasons, like we could talk about being clothed with Christ. That's in Galatians uh, 3.26 and 27. We could talk about being made one in Christ, 1 Corinthians 12.13, and read that passage again. We could talk about being buried and identified with Christ. That's in Romans chapter 6. But at least these reasons are in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Forgiveness, reception of the Holy Spirit, and being added to the body. Well, what about the Who? If you look in this text, it specifically says, every one of you. Now, when it says every one of you, technically, in Greek, what that means is every one of you. It's a very good translation. It it means that everyone coming to Jesus Christ needs to go through this act. And that includes, as far as I can tell, every one of us everyone that's in the room today. And so I would say that this is for all. In fact, it is for all of us who believe. And so this is for all who believe and accept the message about Christ. And I'm, what I'm, I am putting the word believe in here somehow. I'm saying that the person who is repenting and being baptized is in fact also believing in Jesus at the same time. And there are other passages, of course, that talk about believing in Christ. 
So when a person believes and they repent and they're baptized, every one of them, it seems to me like this is an appropriate thing for all of us to do. Now the question of, and I, I almost hesitate to bring this in here because it kind of takes us off on a tangent for a moment, but the question of infant baptism always comes up here. And those who are baptized, it seems to me, in the New Testament are those who understand who Jesus is, what he has done, and who have the ability to actually repent and accept Peter's message exactly the way that Peter describes. And so if you are christened as a baby, if you were baptized as a baby, I'd love to talk to you about that. Not because I'm trying to call into question somebody else's response to Christ and, and um, you know, what, what their parents did or what their grandparents did or what their heritage did or anything like that, but simply because it seems to me when I read Acts 2.38 and other passages and it says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and that you might receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that it is actually for everyone. That is, in fact, a response that a person who is able to make that response makes. And I can't really see anything else in the New Testament that teaches otherwise in terms of this pattern of coming to faith in Jesus and what we do. Um, and again, if you, if you disagree with me about that, oh, I, I don't mind talking about it all. I've had that conversation hundreds of times, uh, certainly willing to have it again, and, and, and within the context of grace and love and unity. But I, my sense is that this is what the Bible teaches and that we're supposed to follow the Bible. Well, what about the question of when? Well, when one believes in who Jesus is, what he has done, and is ready to glorify God with his or her life. That seems to me like that's exactly what's happening in Acts 2.38. When these people say, what do we do? The reason they say, what, is, what do we do, is because they have come to faith in Jesus. They understand what it is that he did. They understand what God was doing in him. And they're now ready to completely glorify God with their lives. And so they ask that question, what do we do now? And it means that you don't have to wait. A person doesn't have to wait until they understand everything there is to understand about Jesus. We don't need to go through two years of catechism classes in order to understand what it is that God has done in Jesus. As I said earlier at the beginning, this is an initiation This is the point at which a person starts their walk with Jesus. They don't end it. And so baptism for these people very early on in the church, there's 3,000 people baptized this day after they hear one sermon. Boy, would I love that to be the case. They, They hear one sermon from Peter and they understand what it is that Jesus has done for them and they want to glorify God with their lives and they've instilled all that and they they give themselves then and baptism. And so they respond that day when they are cut to the heart. And that's the real question. Are we cut to the heart? Is a person so moved in his or her spirit that they think to themselves, I want to give myself completely to Jesus? And this is the way in which we do it. And so again, people always ask if baptism by immersion is necessary for salvation. That seems to me a horrible way and an unbiblical way of putting the question. That's a question that I can't answer because I'm not the judge. When it comes to individual salvation and asking who's saved and who's not saved, from what I can tell, Jesus decided to take that right away from me. 
and he keeps it solely for himself. That's a question that God will have to answer for each of us. He's the judge. He's going to determine my salvation. He'll determine your salvation for everyone. It's not for me to decide that. I'm specifically told in the New Testament not to judge, and so I don't. But I'm also told in the New Testament that when I preach the gospel, one of the things I need to say without hesitation is that a person should be baptized. In fact, if you look at the Great Commission, it says to go into all the world. You know, you teach them to obey all the things that Jesus commanded them to obey. And it specifically says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I've always wondered, how is it that a preacher, that an evangelist somehow can read the Great Commission and feel like it's absolutely something that they need to keep and to do, but then they somehow miss out on the part that they're supposed to, as they preach to people about the Lord, include in that preaching the message about baptism. And so I can say to you without hesitation today that in the New Testament, according to biblical Christianity, repenting because of Jesus, being born again in Jesus, having salvation in Jesus, being clothed with Jesus, being united with Jesus, following after Jesus, receiving forgiveness in Jesus, receiving the Holy Spirit of Jesus, being united with others in Jesus, being part of the body of Jesus, putting off the sinful nature in Jesus, getting rid of the old man in Jesus and becoming new, and rising to a new life in Jesus are all directly linked in the New Testament to the act of baptism. And I can show you all those passages It is not just an outward sign or an outward symbol of an inward grace as people sometimes talk about it. Instead, it is a sacrament. It does something. In fact, baptism does all kinds of things that are essential to our life together in Christ. And so if we're gonna read the Great Commission together, as I said, we're specifically called to this act in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I would love it if even today somebody came up to me and said, Kelly, I really should be baptized. I think you should too. If it doesn't happen, it can happen next week. If it doesn't happen next week, it can happen the next week. In the New Testament, people did it immediately upon understanding who Jesus was, and I want to encourage you today that if you understand who Jesus is, that in the presence of all these brothers and sisters who love you and in the presence of the Lord, I hope you make that good confession and come to him in the waters of baptism. I can't think of one good reason. I can't think of one good reason why someone who believes in Jesus and wants to glorify God in his or her life, why they would choose not to be baptized. It just doesn't make sense to me. And so I hope you do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what it is that you have done. You acted first. You loved us first. You gave yourself to us first. Anything we do is is just, in one sense, a pale, poor response because we're just human beings and we are weak and not at all what you want us to be. But God, you allow us to glorify you through our faith, and through this act of baptism, we have a chance to praise and to honor you and glorify you through the choice that we make to be yours and then to give ourselves to you even in in the act of being immersed. And so I pray, God, that for everybody, everyone who understands and hears the gospel, Lord, I pray that you would help them to make that choice 
of giving themselves completely to you in baptism. Help us to glorify you and praise you in that act. We pray through Jesus. Amen.